One hotly debated topic that has come in the wake of Archbishop Roach's response to a dubia that absolutely positively doesn't exist, and to Cardinal Supich's decree in Chicago about the traditional liturgy, is whether we must submit in obedience to these decrees, and this is tied to whether they apply to the ex-Ecclesia Dei groups, like the FSSP and others like them. Some say the new rules don't apply to them, others say they do. I am in the latter camp, and I say that they do apply to the FSSP, and that's plainly clear on the reading of it. We have received some clarification on this from another former Ecclesia Day group, the canon's regular St. John Cantius, who are based out of Chicago, and they issued a letter in response to Cardinal Supich's decree. It's not going to please many people, but it does make clear what Supich's intention is. And remember, Supich is the voice of Francis in America with the bishops. What I'm about to show you is that Francis and company are applying this to the FSSP and other groups as well. Enforcement is another matter entirely, and I'm sure I'll have news on that as 2022 progresses. But let's talk about this, because at the core of this is another topic. Francis and the rest have the power to do these things, but they lack the authority to do it. This is an important topic, because there is a distinction. But let's get into this. And so we'll start with the letter of the canons regular of St. John Cantius. They are the famous traditional parish out of Chicago that draws pilgrims from across the United States and well beyond to attend and assist at their beautiful traditional liturgies. If you have an opportunity to go see their masses, please do so. They issued a letter about what they will do in regards to the new implementation guidelines that Cardinal Supich hit Catholics with at Christmas. So much they don't like us, folks. They did this at Christmas. Here's the letter in full. Don't worry, it's pretty short. Quote, on our community's feast day, December 23rd, I had an audience with His Eminence, Cardinal Supich. I took the occasion of our meeting to assure His Eminence that the canons regular are committed to preserving unity with him and the Roman pontiff. There he outlined the archdiocesan policy released today concerning the implementation of Traditionis Custodis. His Eminence indicated he wants the work of the canons regular to continue, albeit within the boundaries established by the Archdiocesan policy to take effect January 25th, 2022. We, like many of you, received this news with no little sadness, but we also recognize the challenge before us to live more fully our charism, as outlined in our constitutions. We have always recognized that the core of our apostolate, our very purpose, is to restore the sacred. We do this through the celebration of our church's liturgical tradition contained in both the Roman Missal promulgated by St. Paul VI, as well as the Missal promulgated by St. John XXIII for those who have ties to it. We will be petitioning His Eminence for various permissions. The Cardinal has encouraged us to do so. In this moment, we are prayerfully discerning how to be a bridge for unity in the life of the Church by faithfully implementing the archdiocesan policy in accord with our spiritual and pastoral patronage, as well as the guidance of the Archbishop of Chicago and at the same time remain faithful to our mission. We invite you to accompany us on this discernment journey and join us in a Rosary Novena starting January 25th, 2022. We will pray that the Virgin Mother who said yes to our Lord helps us follow the will of her Son and the Church he founded. We will observe these nine days by ending on the Feast of Her Purification, Candlemas Day. Throughout this Novena, our hearts will be fixed on Mary's, whose heart was also pierced, and who will ultimately say to us, as she told the wedding guests at Cana, pointing to her son, do whatever he tells you. Prayerfully in Christ, very Reverend Joshua S. Caswell, SJC. End quote. 
The Canon's regular St. John Cantius followed this with a video of a homily on their website and on YouTube where the subject is the need to be obedient even in hard times. And that's just great. Now, the issue here is going to be that many will demand that they resist. The problem is that obedience even unto error and self-destruction is built into the very DNA of each of the Ecclesia Dei groups. This all goes back to 1988, when Archbishop Lefebvre consecrated bishops against the desires of John Paul II and the Vatican, after spending several years debating with Rome about the changes made by the Second Vatican Pastoral and Non-Binding Council. Archbishop Lefebvre was convinced that this church was in a state of emergency. That's clearly true on its face. And canon law said he could do it without papal approval if there was such a state of emergency. And again, it's absolutely true on its face that the church has been in that state for 60 years now. Finally, though, Rome offered a bishop to Lefebvre during those debates, but he said flat out that there was no way that they could trust one of those bishops. After talks broke down, and in light of the Assisi debacle that was the first Pacamama event back in 1986, Lefebvre consecrated four bishops and set off a chain of events leading to the founding of the FSSP and similar groups, many of which were started by former SSPX priests and seminarians who disagreed with the decisions Lefebvre took. They took the deal Rome offered, and then never got the bishop that was the center of the offered deal. They swore to obey the Pope in all things. In their founding documents, you will find direct references being made to obedience as practically the highest value in the church. These groups cannot resist because it was in their founding ideals to submit and obey. And I'm not taking them to task for it. I'm not hammering them. I'm not being negative to them. I spend a fair amount of my time at an FSSP parish, for what it's worth, Although I do diversify my where I go to Mass on Sundays with other places, though I do side with Archbishop Lefebvre on those debates that happen. I do. That's just, and I've never hidden that either. What we have here is something simple and pretty straightforward. If there's to be any resistance, it will come from the laity and from individual priests and bishops, but it won't come from those organizations. That doesn't mean that those organizations are bad. I don't think so. However, if things continue as they are, those groups will either be eliminated entirely or they'll be forced to start offering nothing but a unicorn Novus Ordo Mass, which will still be a Mass designed by a cadre of enemies of the Church. Paul VI dismissed the architect of the Novus Ordo, the man who designed that Mass, Archbishop Bonabale Bugnini, for being something worse than a stonecutter, whatever that could possibly be. Those are the words, though, of Paul VI. Look, we know that Bugnini had a group of Protestant ministers help him design the Mass and water it down to make sure that most of the Catholicity was gone. Those are facts of history. A unicorn mass is still something designed by enemies of the church. No resistance are, is going to come from the FSSP or similar groups as groups. But from individual priests, that's a different story. What is facing them is a choice. They must come to understand the distinction between power and authority. They can choose to submit to demands made by those with power, or they can side with authentic authority. What do I mean by that? Put most simply, no pope has the authority to eliminate the mass, to suppress the traditional mass, or even to promulgate really an entirely new liturgy and try to make it the main mass of the Latin rite. That's just, they don't have that power. No pope or bishop has the authority to change the faith. No pope or bishop has the authority to break from sacred tradition. The traditional Latin mass goes back to St. Gregory the Great in the 6th century at least, and the canon of the mass, the Eucharistic prayers of the traditional Latin mass, Go back to apostolic times. Changing the liturgy is beyond the scope of any bishop or person who claims to be the Pope, which the popes over the course of history have actually affirmed. This is a matter of power being different from authority. Eric Sammons makes this distinction more clear in a recent piece over at Crisis Magazine's website. 
In his piece, Power Versus Authority in the Church, Sammons begins by focusing on this issue at hand, the implementation of the draconian rules curbing the Latin Mass and traditional Catholic faith more broadly, with an aim to its obvious banning altogether in the near future. But the topic is really power versus authority, and as we'll see here, they are not the same thing at all. Quote, The recent Vatican directive that parishes can't advertise their scheduled traditional Latin masses was met with widespread mockery on social media. For anyone who's worked in a parish, the idea of a curial bureaucrat in Rome trying to tell Mrs. Jones at St. Joseph Parish in Des Moines what she can put in the bulletin is laughable and ridiculous. Heck, some pastors can't even control what goes in the bulletin. But behind the mockery is a deep insight into the differences between power and authority, even though in today's world these two distinct ideas are often muddled. This confusion has led to, the, to, mo- to profound under- misunderstanding among Catholics as to the nature of authority in the Church. Unfortunately, today, many Church leaders have power beyond their commands, but not authority. They know that they can command obedience for most Catholics to their directives, and so they exercise power for their own sakes or for the sake of their ideology, instead of for the common good. End quote. Then he gives us some, some examples, like the German bishops' conference trying to change what the church and God have said about the whole James Martin topic, that frankly any priest who is okay with or endorses the James Martin position on that topic is probably revealing far too much about themselves than anything else. And Mr. Sammons uses the Vatican intervention that happened recently in the whole Holy Communion for Unrepentant Public Sinners issue as a solid example. That, you know, that whole thing that the, the bishops in, in America ended up punting on basically back in November. They are examples of power being misused. But these examples lead us into the rest of his point. Quote, Cardinal Supic might have the power to abolish ad orientum worship, but he does not have the authority. Pope Francis might have the power to abrogate the Latin Mass, but he does not have the authority. We must always keep in mind this distinction between power and authority. Former Cardinal Theodore McCarrick for decades had the support of high-ranking church officials, even though many knew of his monstrous misdeeds. Why? Because he had immense power in the church even after he was retired and had little to no authority. If Cardinal Supic bans ad orientum worship, he might not have that authority under church or divine law, but he can make life miserable to any priest who dares disobey. That's power. End quote. And then he goes on, and he reminds us that power comes from essentially below, that it comes from our willing submission to those who make demands of us, either because of their threats of exercising power against us, either through violence or what have you, or because we believe that they have the authority to do what they don't have the authority to do. Authority in any place comes from God, be it in the church or the civil sphere, and it must be exercised in accordance to the will of God, which can be seen just by looking at how things work in the natural world and applying right reason to it. This becomes all the more critical when we consider the need to submit to those who make such demands. Do they possess authority or power? Salmon goes on to examine this question. Keep the canons of St. John Cantius or the FSSP and their present dilemma in your mind as we examine this question. Quote, Authority, on the other hand, is always limited in scope. Only God has unlimited authority, and he only delegates aspects of authority to individuals as needed to bring people closer to him. And it's important to note that this limitation applies to everyone with earthly, including ecclesial, authority. For only God himself has full authority over man, as St. Thomas Aquinas notes, quote, Man is subject to God simply as regards all things, both internal and external. Wherefore, he is bound to obey him in all things. On the other hand, inferiors are not subject to the superiors in all things, but only in certain things and in a particular way. See the Summa Theologica 
Part 2, Question 105, Article 5. Vatican I recognized these limitations in office of the papacy as well. It states, For the Holy Spirit was promised to the successors of Peter, not so that they might, by his revelation, make known some new doctrine, but that by his assistance they might religiously guard and faithfully expound the revelation or deposit of the faith transmitted by the apostles. Legitimate papal authority, in other words, is exercised when the Pope religiously guards and faithfully expounds the revelation or deposit of faith transmitted by the apostles. But it's an illegitimate exercise of power when he tries to make known some new doctrine. Even a pope has limited authority in the church, although in modern practice he has almost unlimited power. And if a pope has only limited authority, then surely so do his bishops and priests as well. End lengthy quote. This causes a mess when people mistake in power for authority. We live in an age where people simply do not understand the limits to authority or power, either in the civil sphere or in the church. People submit every single day to unjust commands, and it's because they believe that those who rule over them in the church or in the world are due unrestrained obedience. That's not the case. The popes, until the council, thought of themselves as the safeguards of the faith, with, of course, some rare few exceptions. They had no ability to change even small parts of the mass before the council. That changed with the triumph of the modernists and their belief that God has ordained them to make the church embrace the values of the world, to make the church more relevant to modern values, which is just nutty-sounding. So we get not only a liturgy that reflects the values of the world circa 1970, but a set of values preached from the pulpit that reflect the values of the world of the day. If you still attend Mass of the Novus Ordo, you've probably heard secular homilies about all sorts of silly things, but rarely, if ever, about the four last things and about the reality of hell and the rest. If you want to know why, let me know in the comments, please. I'm torn if my next video for a Saturday, not this coming Saturday, but later in the month, where I explain modernism will finally focus on the founding father of modernism or on the topic of why the faith isn't really taught by the modernists even slightly. Let me know if you want that, because it's been on my mind lately. But that is the triumph of the modernists, and it's based on a distorted sense of authority and power, and that's how they've gotten away with everything for 60-plus years. They've confused their ability to do something with having the right to do it in the first place. You have no need to submit to their authority where they just don't have it, and breaking from sacred tradition is definitely one of those places where they don't have the authority to act. Now let me know what you thought of this in the comments, please. And remember, don't be angry at the canon's regular St. John Cantius, since they're just acting in perfect accordance with their founding principles. Pray said for their individual priests that they may find a way of doing their jobs, in spite of having a tin pot tyrant sitting on the sea of Chicago. And like and subscribe if you haven't, it really does help. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.